0: you are listening to the Moms Full Circle Podcast, a place for moms or moms to be to come together and support one another, laugh together, maybe cry together, ask your most random baby questions to, judgment-free, and tune in to hear all things motherhood. As a mama myself, I know the importance of having a tribe to lean on during this wild ride. I hope this podcast will do that for you, too. So grab a cup of coffee or maybe a glass of wine, probably the video monitor too, and let's dive in. Hey you guys, welcome back to the Moms Full Circle podcast. Today I have Caroline Adams from Joy and Motherhood on Instagram on the podcast today. And Caroline is based out of Charleston. She is a licensed professional counselor and has her own in-person private practice, but also works with clients virtually. About postpartum, we talk about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. She talks a lot about anxiety versus intuition when it comes to that mom's intuition and how to kind of separate the two. This was such an enlightening conversation for me and I feel like a lot of mamas could benefit from this postpartum because as we talk about in this conversation today, a lot of times there's a stigma or a judgment around asking for help or seemingly not having it you know, perfectly together like we see on the highlight reel on Instagram. So before I give it all away, I'm going to pass it off to her. Make sure you check out information in the show notes of where to find her. And a reminder to you guys, my mom's full circle workouts have launched and you guys can subscribe using the link in my bio. Five new workouts every single week with an on demand exercise library. I can't wait to connect with you and I hope that you will join us on this fitness journey. All right. Hey, Caroline, thank you so much for coming on the Moms Full Circle podcast today. We are so excited to have you here.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: So I will have done just a very short intro to you before this, but why don't you dive into kind of telling everybody a little bit more about you, what you do, and how you got here.
1: Sure. So I am a mom of two girls. I have a three-year-old and an almost two-year-old. And she'll be two in the end of September. Um, and the three of us, my husband, we live in Charleston, South Carolina. I am a licensed professional counselor. Uh, I have a private practice locally. So Mount Pleasant is sort of like a suburb of Charleston. Uh, so I'm in private practice and also do a lot um, of things virtually. So uh, I have a physical private practice, and then COVID sort of showed many of us the benefits of virtual counseling. So I do a lot of that with new moms. I've always kind of offered it to the newly postpartum moms, but, uh, you know, shutdowns and things like that really showed a lot of us the benefits of that. So uh, I am launching some course offerings soon as well as um, just some other virtual resources. So that'll be coming out in the near future. So I do have some some virtual offerings coming up, but um, yeah. What else did you ask just generally
0: about me? <laughs> no, that was that was perfect, just like a rundown on you. And it's it's good that you were able to shift and offer those virtual offerings because I'm sure, especially during COVID with all those uncertainties, that, I mean, people still need that support. So the fact that you were able to still offer it and then continue offering it now I'm sure is still such a great option.
1: Absolutely. And it was pretty universally... I think, noticed, Uh, I think a lot of therapy practices, it's hard to get in now, Mm -hmm. you know, even with sort of COVID ramping up again, you know, a lot of moms are impacted by shutdowns and things like that. So we've definitely seen a huge increase, I think, globally in people seeking mental health support.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now you mentioned that you specialize, you know, with moms and moms in postpartum. What brought you to that path? Was it like personal experience that kind of drew you there or what kind of got you into that realm?
1: Yeah. So I had worked in mental health for a number of years uh, and went through infertility, did IVF with my first daughter and definitely saw a need for counseling there. And so Mm -hmm. I, I didn't I didn't do anything with that. Um, it was something I was passionate about, but, um, and then after sort of the challenges with that, we got got pregnant with her and I, she was breached. So I had a C-section delivery and um, all went well, but there was a lot of my expectations about what, like bonding and things like that would look like with a C-section delivery uh, were off of it. And so for a number of reasons, I'm sure I experienced postpartum depression and anxiety. So. Um, You know, we talk about the difference between baby blues and postpartum depression and it was well past that two-week mark. Um, And after sort of getting the support that I needed and um, starting medication, all of that, uh, I knew like with the utmost clarity that that was the direction I needed to take. So I knew that that was the population that needed support. So I um, trained with postpartum support international and completely shifted my practice support moms and in the postpartum period and infertility, all things motherhood.
0: And it's going to be, I'm sure, a field that is always, always needed because postpartum in Mm -hmm. some way is always going to be hard for moms. And I'm sure it helps that, you know, you are doing this because of personal experience that kind of led you here so they can connect with you. Um, Even as you were telling your story, you know, I'm kind of nodding along because similarly, I also had a C-section, which I did not plan to have and like you said that expectation you know you you know that it's a possibility but you also kind of figure well it's not going to be me you know it's I'm just going to have that natural birth and then you kind of deal with all of that postpartum and these things that you were totally picturing going differently is that something that you hear a lot from moms too even if it's not a c-section just kind of Mm -hmm. expectation versus reality
1: absolutely a lot about what postpartum period will look like but also about birth so you know we're expected baby's born you just sort of move on with the sleepless nights and the feedings and the navigating breastfeeding and all the things trying all the swaddles you know mm-hmm. and we're just sort of expected to move on but if you really think about the brevity of what giving birth what that experience is like what really has happened like we would need to take a moment to really honor that mm-hmm. and even if it goes exactly as planned, taking a moment to really just be with that, you know, and really even with your partner or whoever process sort of what happens. So yeah. definitely expectations around the birth, uh, expectations in the postpartum period. So expectation for your baby, for your partner, for anyone, any other support person for yourself for sleep. I mean, there's some, so many, I think expectations are a huge piece to, Uh, mental health. I mean, I think it all, it all can contribute for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I personally, during my pregnancy had done a lot of reading on postpartum because we are kind of in a space now with Instagram and other outlets like that, where a lot of people do share their postpartum experiences. And I had almost gotten myself like, too fearful of postpartum because of some of the stories I read but also just that unknown of how is it going to affect me what's it going to feel like but um I will say like it did also make me more kind of hyper aware where I could kind of tell my husband like I need to be really open with you about how I'm feeling right now um you know you need to be open with me but I could see where If you're not in that space where, you know, you're not talking openly with somebody or you're not really aware of your feelings, kind of how that could really be, you know, a struggle. So what would you say, like in moms that you work with or even things that you've seen in the postpartum world for moms that maybe are struggling, but struggling to also vocalize it to somebody? What are some of the things that maybe they could do to just start inching closer to maybe asking for help?
1: Sure. So I love the the proactivity. I know you said in a way it was it was scary for you. It may have exacerbated some anxiety about you know experiencing symptoms postpartum. But uh, yeah, so just inching closer to asking for help. So I think on the front end, normalizing that you know like having authentic conversations, you know, um, really being able to see like read between the lines. You know, a lot of the comments we hear. At her baby showers and things like that, or oh, enjoy every moment, you know, soak it in. You're just gonna love every minute; it'll come naturally. All of that, like going into the postpartum period, knowing that those are just sentiments, like they're just words. They're not necessarily. If you don't feel this way, if it doesn't come naturally to you, that means something's off. You know, right. having a very grounded um, approach there is helpful. But in terms of asking for help, I think yeah, transparency with your partner. Um, I think uh, some education for your partner too because we experiencing the symptoms uh, it's easy for us to say okay this isn't me this is this is scary I need I need help Um, and we can we can be fearful that we'll be shamed or misunderstood if we open up to a partner or someone else or even our our OBGYNs you know fear that I know a lot of times um, fear that Someone will take our baby, or just you know the unknown. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think educating yourself and your partner on okay, this is these are some some things that can come up in the postpartum period or life, and it can be completely common uh, and something that that I'm navigating. So, making sure that there's some education there and creating a space that um, that isn't judgmental,
0: right? I and mean, on the flip side of that, like, what would you say for people that maybe? we noticed that a mom, or we think that a mom might be struggling, but also not admitting it or saying it out loud. I know that I've been in that situation before where I've kind of seen it and questioned, but then you don't want to offend them by bringing it up. So what, what kind of approach would you suggest there? Like, do you suggest kind of waiting until they, you know, bring it up or how would you handle that?
1: It's a really good question because, Yeah, you don't want to make assumptions. You don't want to upset them more. It's such a tender time. Um, And thinking back to my experience, I knew it was such an internal battle. I knew this is postpartum depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. But I was so fearful of being judged or like my mom not understanding. She doesn't freaking mental health and my you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So my cousin actually did say. And she's not in a mental health room. She doesn't know. And this may not be the strategy for everyone, but we have that sort of relationship where we're very just, you know, can say things outright. She said, do you, do you think you might be depressed? And I needed that so badly for mm-hmm. someone to just put, to put words to what I knew I was feeling. And so it validated things for me just to have her come out right and say that. Yeah. And I knew she was someone safe that I could talk to. Yeah. Um, if you don't feel like you have that relationship where you can just, like, throw it out there, I think it open-ended, as open as, as you can. Like, hey, these are some things I've noticed. How, how how, do you feel about this transition? Or what have you noticed anything different? Or sharing a piece of your experience. Like, I actually struggled with X, Y, and Z. You know, I've noticed you might, too. Do You, you know, can we talk about it? Yeah. So leaving it, you know, as gentle as possible, but also sort of open-ended, because a lot of times when we try to be supportive, we can overshare about our own story, but yeah. leaving space for their what they're going through too.
0: Yeah, I like that. I, I uh, personally, even in my own postpartum journey, I didn't I didn't struggle with postpartum depression, but I did go through a phase of I felt like if I asked for help or I needed help just with the baby, that mm-hmm. I was like. Week or you know, like I wanted to be perfect, even though she's my first, and you're never going to be a perfect parent. And you remember I had some of my girlfriends over, and my daughter was just kind of having a day where she didn't want to latch, she didn't want to take the bottle, and she was just crying. And I was apologizing to them, and without even you know bringing it up to me, they were just like, "Here, we're going to take her. We've got this." Like, and it was what i needed like i was able to reach out to them later and just say like you made me realize that i was trying to be perfect and i needed to accept that help and you kind of just forced it on me and didn't say anything about it but like you said i think that we get so scared that we're gonna get judged if we don't know everything we don't do it perfectly and i think that holds women back from admitting that they might need the help in any realm
1: absolutely and i hear that a lot about that perfectionism or this idea, you know, these ideas that we have, it goes back to expectations that I should be able to do it all. I'm Mm -hmm. the mom. I I gave birth. I can potentially breastfeed that I'm the one that should be able to soothe her, swaddle her, all the things. And that's just, as you, it sounds like you, (laughs) you came to realize too, we all have our strengths. You know, maybe your partner's is like, he's an awesome swaddler, or a good baby changer, you know, we can't do it all. And so Mm -hmm. I think, um, Coming to that is powerful, too.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think, you know, where social media can be a wonderful thing, I think on the other end that it contributes to that need for perfectionism because maybe we see the highlight reel and we see another mom being able to maybe do it all or it seems they're doing it all. So then we kind of set that expectation for ourselves, too. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, that's very, very true. I remember the first time I saw, I don't even remember who it was now, but um, it was when I feel like so much has changed on Instagram and social media over the last couple of years where it went from blogger to more of like openly influencing, you know, like ads and partnerships and mm-hmm. things like that. And uh, it was like right around when I had my first. And I remember the comparison. Like there was a couple bloggers at the time, influencers, whatever, where it wasn't quite out in the open that, you know, how things really were behind the scenes. And the comparisons of like, oh my gosh, these women – look put together all the time their kids have on these perfectly curated gender neutral outfits their houses you know and so I think the moment that I realized like no they actually have a nanny that they don't talk about a (laughs) house cleaner someone that comes in and like prepares their meal you know and so I've talked about this before on my social media but viewing and even just mom day-to-day moms that we friends you know viewing other people's highlight reels social media as an ad yeah as opposed to this is their real life, but really viewing it as there's so much I don't see behind the scenes that mm-hmm. I should consider.
0: I like that. Yeah. I like that. Cause then you're setting yourself up for just kind of separating yourself from it. And <laughs> I like that now kind of going along with some of that perfectionism that we talked about, I wanted to bring up the idea of mom guilt. I know, you know, even before I had my daughter, I would see moms talk about feeling guilty if they, you know, left their child for even an hour. And I almost, you know, kind of laughed to myself thinking, I won't feel that and that won't be me. And then fast forward, it totally was me. And I know a lot of moms go through that. Is that something that you hear a lot about from moms that you work with, mom guilt in general? And like, what are some of your tips for navigating that?
1: Yeah, mom guilt is a big, a big part <laughs> of what I hear. Uh, and it's interesting to hear you say, I didn't think that I would, that I would be that way. Um, since, yeah, that's interesting. I guess none of us think we'll be, we'll feel guilty about leaving for an hour or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't expect, I didn't navigate that too much postpartum. It comes up now, you know, with the girls being like toddlers, toddler age, but I definitely hear about it with clients. Um. So the question was some advice on how to navigate that yeah yeah
0: whether and whether it's with you know a newborn or with toddlers you know in general
1: sure i think the guilt goes and guilt's a tricky emotion to name so i think noticing it because a lot of times the guilt can sort of be the driver and be like happening in the background so noticing okay this is this is guilt is this helpful or unhelpful? Like, is this guilt something I want that's sending me a productive message that I want to engage with? Or is this something that that's just sort of in control, you know, that's um, like happening in the background? So being able to notice that it's happening uh, and re- and asking yourself, like, what do I want to be about? Do I want to be able to practice self-care, get out of the house for an hour, go to Target alone? (laughs) Because I know ultimately it will allow me to feel better and ultimately take better care of my child. Or do I sort of want to be, do I want to be controlled by this guilt? So I think just really like noticing is the first step in that, noticing the guilt to start.
0: And I like asking that question too, do I want to be controlled by this guilt? Because I think that Mm -hmm. really puts it in perspective of, you know, there's years and the years of this to come. And do I want to let this kind of have a hold on me for all of these years to come or kind of, you know, hit it head on now.
1: That's a good point because you really sort of set the tone in those those early newborn days about what you're comfortable with. And if you don't ever leave the house without your child or have that space, it can certainly become a bit of a habit and Mm -hmm. becomes harder as time goes on.
0: For sure. Yeah. Now, kind of diving a little bit into you had talked about at the beginning your own experience with postpartum depression and how you were able to recognize you know this wasn't the typical baby blues and i'm sure probably your mental health background helped you with that but for moms that are in that new newborn phase kind of what are the things that maybe they could expect that they would experience with baby blues versus okay maybe this is a little bit deeper than that and we're looking more towards postpartum depression Sure.
1: Yeah. So, one of the most helpful things to recognize is baby blues doesn't mean a lot. Of, a lot of women will experience the baby blues the first, for the first two weeks. Is typically the timeline that we see anything outside of that. And if it's not lessening at all, uh, is when we sort of explore um, an assessment for for postpartum depression. So. Um, no reason to panic if it's something that you navigate those first two weeks. It doesn't mean, okay, I'm inevitably, this is going to turn into depression. It's not necessarily the case. Uh, it's completely common. I think it's like one in five women experience postpartum or the baby blues postpartum. And so, um, you know, the tearfulness, the, the fluctuation in mood, all of that. I mean, if you think about what your body's been through, the hormone fluctuations, the lack of sleep, the you're, you're, you're creating, producing milk, all those things, mm-hmm. uh, can, can play a role. So the main indicator between the two, so the two week time span, anything past two weeks, if they're not lessening. So if the symptoms, um, low mood, tearfulness, aren't improving, irritability, you know, all this, all those symptoms related to depression, if it's not improving at the two week mark and joy. So that's like a big question that I ask, that I talk to clients about. So if underneath the tearfulness and, and all of the the weight of the baby blues, is there joy? Are you able to enjoy moments with the baby? Are you able to, to find moments where you can smile? And uh, that's the big question. So that's the main indicator between the baby blues and depression. So after that two week mark, symptoms are improving. There's no joy to be found uh, and hopelessness. So after two weeks, you really have trouble sleeping, potentially and low appetite, um, really mood fluctuations or very low mood, intrusive thoughts can be a part that can be related to postpartum anxiety. Um, but really there's a heaviness that I hear used to describe it a lot, like a cloud that you just can't shake. Mm -hmm. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to really believe this is temporary. So the hopefulness feels all encompassing. Um, and if you notice that, you know, it doesn't mean, there's anything wrong with you. It doesn't mean you're not meant for this. Uh, there can be a lot of a lot of pieces that are at play that can contribute to that to that depression. But really, the joy piece and the two week mark are two helpful um, indicators.
0: Yeah, something that I really liked was, and I don't know if this is common practice, but my daughter's pediatrician at all of her checkup appointments had me mm-hmm. fill out a scale for um, how I was feeling. Is that a common practice usually?
1: Yeah, I think it's a newer thing. I I did the same thing with both of my daughters, but um, it is, and it makes sense. I mean, because you're seeing your pediatrician well before you're seeing your, for your appointment Mm postpartum. And so it makes sense if you're answering them honestly. So that was, that was another piece I should have added for getting support is, you know, a lot of times you're, gosh, you've got a crying baby in one arm. You're trying to fill out the form (laughs) in the other, and they've already called your name, and it's just a mess. So, Mm -hmm. and if you don't, if you... Talk to your pediatrician, whoever it is on the, the front line of care and let them know, hey, I'm not sure about this whole scale thing, but this is how I'm feeling. You know, yeah. you can still advocate for for what you what you notice in your mood and how you're
0: feeling. Yeah, that's a good point. Now you touched a little bit too on the postpartum anxiety and I liked on your page you talked about, you know, postpartum anxiety versus intuition and kind of recognizing the difference between those two can you talk about that like a little bit more what is the difference between them and kind of what does that mean for us
1: yes so this is one of my favorite things to talk about it's (laughs) it's what I'm working on um for my course because it was the most it was the most powerful thing for me to recognize so what sort of got me there was my daughter had severe reflux she actually um she actually choked in the hospital and that really set the tone for some things, turned blue, the whole thing. And so of course, first time mom, I have no clue what I'm doing. I am on pins and needles, never slept watching her like a hawk, you know? Um, and so very, very much anxiety, but having a hard time, I eventually sort of worked through some of that and it got better and, you know, it felt like eternity, but it was just probably a matter of weeks, maybe two months or so. Um, but I had a hard time being able to say, okay, like what's my, you hear about this this mom intuition, like what's that about versus anxiety? And so the big question is anxiety is very much, uh, it's fear-based. So it's either future or past oriented. It's anxiety. I really like to be able to name what it sounds like. So putting yourself in control, being able to name this is an anxious thought. So an anxious thought might sound like, I've talked about this on my my page before, too. You see your partner, husband, load the kids in the car and drive away. And your immediate thought is, they're going to get in a car accident and die. And I'm going to be left all alone. Or if I don't check this monitor every two minutes, she's going to stop breathing. That's anxiety, And so remove distancing yourself from that, creating a little bit of space so that you can evaluate it instead of letting it take hold and be in control. So you can say, that's anxiety speaking. This is a function of anxiety. It's not me. It's not true. Not necessarily a fact, just anxiety talking. Mm-hmm. So you create a little bit of distance. The difference between anxiety and intuition, intuition is more present-focused, present-based. And it's like a, it's almost like a like a deep knowing. So it's uh, typically rooted in lived experience. So we have this idea that oh, your mom intuition, you have to learn. You know, there's a learning requirement with being a mom. Um, I do think there's obviously so much of it that's innate, but intuition takes practice. Mm -hmm. So it's based in lived experience, like wisdom. It's a deep knowing. So an example of what intuition might sound like is huh i'm going to based off of my lived experience and knowledge i'm going to make sure my daughter's chess club is where it's supposed to be in the car seat as opposed to i need to check her car seat five times before she leaves does that make sense yeah so your intuition no, is more or historically my daughter spits up after a big bottle mm-hmm. i'm going to make sure to burp her a few extra times before i lay her down Yep. Yeah where anxiety might sound like nope you have to leave her upright but you have to hold her all night or she will choke
0: yeah okay that's
1: a good to this is my lived experience the knowledge that i have so rooted in knowledge and so really being able to listen to the difference and being able to say do i want do i want to be controlled by this anxious voice or do i want to really foster and encourage this intuition
0: i like that too like and you're right like we do have that intuition but you need that period of especially with with your kids like getting to know them getting to know the baby and then you can develop that intuition and it's kind of crazy how we have it but even as you were talking you know i notice it in myself that there's certain things that you know you just get that gut feeling like I've Mm -hmm. kind of had this gut feeling over the last week that my daughter's getting her first tooth. And you can't necessarily see it right away, but I just, like, explaining it to my husband, I was like, I just feel like that's what it is. Like, I can tell from her, and I just, like, have this feeling. And you can't, it's, you know, it's hard to explain to somebody that's not a mom, because they probably think, you know, you're a little bit crazy. How do you know? But I like that you, you know, give that as something to rely on and it's less intense you know anxiety is so intense and all-encompassing that I would imagine and I don't know tell me if I'm wrong that even when you work on that with clients it kind of allows them to still have some concern and it's not like totally you know not validating their concern it's just kind of taking the pressure off of the concern
1: yes it's not like there's less sense of urgency it's not dismissive it's Okay, let's come at this from a from all angles. Let's not just listen blindly listen to this anxious voice. Right. And I like that example about the tooth because I would imagine beneath that, like knowing is wisdom, like knowledge. Like you've probably maybe seen her have more saliva or she's Mm -hmm. there's her gums are red. I would imagine there's been things that have sort of like your your mom ears have been
0: Yep. And then of course I had to, you know, luckily I do have my husband to keep me in check because I, then the anxiety comes when I say, but what if I'm wrong? And why is she more like, what if she's fussy for a different reason? And He just kind of has to tell me like, just give it time, let it play out. You know, you need the kind of that other ear to kind of snap you back out of it. Yeah, that's a the point. <laughs> um, so as we kind of wrap up here, you were talking a little bit that you're going to be coming out with some courses that you have virtual offerings. Obviously, if people are local to you too, can you share a little bit more about where people could find you and some of the ways that they could work with you?
1: Yeah, so I, I have a couple openings for coaching for out-of-state clients. Uh, I do mainly see local South Carolina residents. So um, for therapy, so. Uh, Joy that in motherhood is my Instagram handle. If you go to WelcomingWellness.net, you can go to my find my page there and fill out. There's a form you can complete, uh, and you can sort of select from the drop down menu if you're a South Carolina resident or not. Uh, and yeah, I'm not sure what the timeline is. It'll it'll likely be early fall um, for that anxiety versus intuition course, uh, and then some other uh, just virtual offerings coming out in a newsletter and all that good stuff so you can um, subscribe to the put your email in and all that um and then my email is just caroline at welcoming you can always reach out that way
0: and i'll make sure too to put your instagram in the show notes here because you do share a lot of great free content on your instagram page around a lot of these postpartum topics that we kind of touched on today yeah yeah well thank you this is wonderful yeah thank you so much for coming on If you enjoyed today's episode of the Moms Full Circle podcast, be sure to hit subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our new episodes. I'm always looking to expand my tribe, so please reach out. You can find me at Caroline underscore Prestano on social media. I can't wait to connect with you and I'll catch you in the next episode.